Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Well, I hope you're doing well. This is my wife, Julie. She's the better half of us, and uh, she's going to share for just a moment. Well, on the way here, the Lord dropped a thought into my heart, and it wasn't a real pleasant one, but I, I knew I needed to share it, that he spoke, you're too natural. Um, and what he meant by that was your mind is percentage-wise, maybe more on the natural side than on the spiritual side. And his desire, as you know, is for us to have our minds set on spiritual, seeking him. And I felt like it was for the church body also. That And, and from Romans 8, verse 6, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And I just want to encourage you, don't be so natural. He wants your heart. He wants your mind set on him and his things and his ways. That's it. Thank you, babe. Amen. The Lord loves us, and he'll speak to us, and he'll deliver a word for us. And now it's up to us to receive it and then act upon it. Amen? Amen. Well, it is great to be here. We're in a busy season. Our lives kind of changed two weeks ago. Uh, as, as we were elected as the new superintendent starting soon, uh, uh, July 1st. In the process of that, we're also uh, running the camps, all right? So when we leave here today, we're on our way back to Hartford City uh, to, to be, be at teen camp number two and uh, help, help lead that. Uh, uh, th but life's crazy. So on Wednesday, we fly to Oregon, fly back on Friday, uh, get ready to lead teen camp three the next week, all right? And so pray for us, if you would. I, two weeks ago, I had a full set of hair. So I don't know what the next two weeks is going to bring, all right? But if you would, pray for us. We need it. We, we would take it, all right? That's not true. I, I had the same amount of hair two weeks ago. I told all my boys, uh, I said, get married while you're young. We had our, our oldest son got married just a, a couple months ago, and so that's been pretty incredible. We now have a daughter-in-law, but they do live in Texas, all right? It's horrible. It really is. It is great to be here. Um, you guys have some incredible pastors here. Amen. And uh, I'm thankful for them. Pastor Jeff and Amy are amazing. The, the staff's amazing. Most of the staff I've known for, for many, many years. And uh, you, they're, they're wonderful. And I honor you guys and I bless you. I, I knew that when the, 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 the church opened up and... and Pastor Jeff and I talked about whether or not he was going to put his name in. I knew that, that he was coming here, and I knew that uh, you guys would be blessed and uh, that God's going to use your, your leaders to, to go to a new level because God loves uh, West Lafayette, and he loves the, the nations of the world, and he cares about you and, and, uh, and, and what you're going to do to help touch people's lives. And so jump aboard and run and get ready. They have an incredible family, have great kids. They're, they're spread out. I see them all over the place in the house. And when there's that many, they can be all over the place. You know what I mean? And, uh, but we, we bless them all and it's, it's great to be here. And I bless you. Keep up the great work. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 35 this morning. Genesis chapter 35, verse 1. I, I want to encourage you today. We're going to talk about the altar. We're going to talk about two altars. We're going to talk about the altar at the church house. We're going to talk about the altar at your house, all right? The one at your house is probably more important than the one at the church house. 
Let me say that one more time. The altar at your house is probably more important than the altar at the church house. So then the next question becomes, do I even have one at my house? Let's just, let's just jump in to the word this morning. Genesis 35, it says this, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle, settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Now, why was Jacob uh, running away from his brother? Because Jacob's a liar and a deceiver and his brother was going to kill him. And you think your family has problems. Jacob's been gone for 20-some years. He ran away. He, he went am, amongst uh, people who were pagan people, all right? They worshiped false gods. They didn't know who the true God was. And he had settled there, but now God's saying, hey, it's time to go home. So the next part of that, so Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves, change your clothes, then come. Let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God Listen to this, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me everywhere that I have gone. You remember when Jacob was running away from his brother, he got to a place for the night and he set up a rock and he put his head on it and he fell asleep. And while he was sleeping, God met with him. There was like a, a ladder that was going up and down from heaven and angels ascending and descending. And God spoke to him and God met with him. Now, 20 some years later, he's like, let's go back to that spot. I need a new word from God. God's been with me, but I need a new word. Let's go back there. I'm going to build an altar there, and let's meet with God. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God uh, fell upon all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. That's an interesting verse in the middle of this story. Why would that be? Because everything that Jacob is carrying... All the people that are with Jacob, all his sons, all the livestock, the thousands upon thousands of animals that he's got, the hundreds of herdsmen that he has with me, it's the Lord's inheritance. Much like everything that has your name on it, your title on it, if you're born again, blood-bought, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's the inheritance of God for you and for the generations to come. And so next time the enemy comes your direction, just plead the blood of Jesus over your stuff. Why? So the terror of God falls, up, falls upon everything around you. Amen? And no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside of Bethel. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. How many know God's a speaking God? May I ask this side? How many know God's a speaking God? All right, and God is speaking right here to Jacob. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and community of nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you. And I give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to everyone in the room today? 
The same way you spoke to Jacob, would you speak to us today? May our ears be open, may our hearts be opened, and may we receive what you have for us today in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Julie and I have had the privilege of being a pastor, a leader for the last 28 years. When I, when I left Bible college, there was something I, I did not know how to do, and that was pray. All through, all through school, they said, you need to know how to pray. You need to learn how to pray. You need, you need to learn how to pray. When you get to the church that you're going to be at, you need to know how to pray. And, and they said that to us all the time. And the truth was, when I left Bible college, I didn't know how to pray. And so I began a prayer journey. And my, my life kind of went like this. I would get up early in the morning. I would drive to the church as a youth pastor. I would spend time with the Lord. I'd go into the sanctuary, and I'd walk in the sanctuary, and I'd pray. And the sanctuary at that church was my Bethel. It was my altar. It was my place that I would go day after day after day after day for years, and I would pray. And, 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 and I was learning how to pray, and I was growing in my prayer life. I was learning how to hear from the Lord and all, all these things. And when we left being a youth pastor, we became a lead pastor in North Manchester, Indiana. Anybody know where that is? Few of you, God bless you all, all right? And, and we're pastoring there. The house was right next door to the church. And so I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go to the church, and same thing, in the sanctuary, it was my, my altar area, and I would pray, and I'd seek the Lord. And I, I, I walked thousands of miles in 14 years there as I just walked and prayed in, in the sanctuary. And five years ago, we, we got elected to be our executive secretaries of Indiana. And so we left uh, North Manchester, moved to Indianapolis. And the first morning that we were there, I woke up and I said, God, we've got a problem. Had no keys to a church. Couldn't walk next door. I couldn't drive to a church. I had nowhere to pray. My Bethel place, my altar area, the place I had been going for years was gone. And I, I really was confused. I was like, what do I do? This is a whole new world. It's a whole new life. And we, we lived in a neighborhood. And so I just walked outside and, and it was July. I just began to walk on the neighbor, in the neighborhood and began to pray and and, and which is good, you know, I enjoyed it, but it, you know, it's kind of weird when you're, you know, praying in the Holy Ghost and people are jogging by, you know, and you're just like, hey, you know, whatever, you know, I needed a place. And then, you know, of course it got cold. So I found a place in my house that became my Bethel place, became my place of meeting with God on a daily basis. And I came out to ask, to ask you the question today, where's your Bethel? Where's your altar place? You know, the 9 a.m. prayer was awesome this morning. During the worship time, there was an altar opportunity as people were uh, 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 praying at the altar or, or worshiping at the altar. But what about the other days of the week? Where's that place that you go and, and meet with the Lord? How many of you know that, that there's sometimes there's just places that, and, and that we need to meet with the Lord? Where we can cry out to the Lord. Where we can say what we need to say, that, that we can love on him and worship him. We can confess, that we can dream with him, that we open our ears so that he can speak to us. Where's that place for you? Maybe it's your Chevy truck and 
You get in it every morning and you drive 25 minutes to work and on the way to work, instead of turning your radio on, it's just you and Jesus and you're talking to the Lord and you're worshiping him and you pull up at the stoplight and you're praying in the Holy Ghost and you look over and the person's just looking at you and you're, you know, you're spending time with Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's your uh, lazy boy chair. I mean, they say the best part of waking up drinking coffee with Jesus every morning. Amen. You just sit down in your chair and you're like, it's me again, Lord. And you start talking with him and he begins to talk back to you and you're spending time with Jesus. Maybe your altar place is your garage. Your wife's like, why is he always out in his garage? Why is he always tinkering out there? She thinks you're just out there messing around, but you're out there pleading the blood of Jesus over your kids or your grandkids. You're asking for uh, the favor of the Lord to come down upon your family. It's a meeting place of God. It's your altar place. It's that place that you go because you need a place to go. Amen? Then we come to the church house. Some people are just scared to come to the altar at the church house. They're like, I ain't walking up there. There's no way, no way I'm leaving my chair and walking up to the front. Some of you didn't want to come to the front and get prayed for this morning because in your mind you thought, well, I've been the last two weeks. If I go again this week, they'll be like, well, something's going on at their home. And we're worried about what other people might say about us instead of going and pursuing after God. So so just coming to the altar scares us. We don't want to come to the altar because what if I go to the altar and the king of glory says something to me like, work in the kids' department. (laughs) Not willing to take that chance, preacher. I'm just going to stay right here. What, what if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I go to the altar and I'm not? I, I just, I don't know if I can handle that. I think I'll just stay where, where I'm at. What if I need a word from God and I go to the altar and I pray and I don't feel like he speaks to me? I, I don't hear him. And so I think I'll just stay where I'm at and we're missing out on God. I, I'm not going down to the altar because I don't know how long to stay. So I think I'll just stay right where I'm at. When I was a kid growing up, our, our church, we had four sections of chairs at our church. You got five, all right? That's, this is a big place, all right? And so uh, I, my dad was an usher on this side of the church every Sunday the whole time that I grew up. And we sat halfway back in the same spot. How many of you are sitting in the same spot you sat last week? God bless you all, all right? I hope next week somebody here gets here early and is sitting in your spot, all right? And, and we sat, we sat uh, right there every Sunday, Sunday morning. We sat there Sunday night. And every Sunday night, my dad would come to the altar right over in this area, and he would begin to pray. And so when I'm about eight years old, I'm thinking, I'm going with him. And I had one goal, pray longer than my dad, all right? 
And so I would kneel down next to my dad and, and he's praying and, and I hear him praying in the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what that is. And I'm thinking he barely speaks English. I can't understand what he's even saying right now. And I just knelt down, I'd kneel down to him with one goal, stay longer than him. And, and I could pray for like the entire world in like eight seconds. I mean, I was like, what's taking him so long? All right, this happened week after week, and I'd be like, Lord, save everybody. What else was there to pray when you're eight years old, you know? And, and my knees would start hurting, I'd be squirming around, and finally my dad would get done praying, and he'd get up and, and go sit down, and I, as soon as he got up, boom, I got up, and I followed behind him, like, because I was there like eight-tenths of a second longer than him, but as like champion of the world. I mean, I won, you know, my, my wife used to say to, to me, not everything has to be a competition. It does if you want to win. <laughs> but how long do you stay at the altar? How about until he's finished with you? In the book of Revelation, in the book of Ezekiel, the writers of both books give us a visual of heaven and the Bible says that where the river of life flows, it flows from the throne of God to the nations. And I just, I just feel like the altar area is where the river flows, whether it's at the church house or your house. And this is what the Bible says, that everywhere that the river flows, it brings life. And everywhere that the river flows, there's salvation. Everywhere the river flows, there's health. Everywhere the river flows, there's the kingdom of God. And one thing that we need is the, the river of God to flow through our churches, but we need the river of God to flow through your house as well. So we've got to have an altar place. We need to have a welcoming place for the river of the Lord to flow. I mean, how many of you want the kingdom of God in your home? How many want health in your house, salvation and life in your house? Everywhere that the river flows, the word of God says it brings these things. In the scriptures that we read in verse two, Jacob says to the people that are with him, get rid of the foreign gods that you have. Change your clothes because we're getting ready to go into the God zone. I, the God's own part wasn't in the Bible, all right? But he says, hey, we're going to the meeting place of God. Clean up. It's Saturday night. Take your shower. Get ready. Put on some clean clothes. Get rid of all your idols. They, they wear earrings. They were their fetishes that they used to, to, to worship their false gods. He says, we're going into the, to the God's zone. Get ready. On this side of Calvary, if we'll show up in the God's zone, if we'll show up at the church house, if we'll show up at our, our daily prayer time where our altar is, God will show up and he'll clean us up as well. Can somebody say amen? Today you're in the God zone. I'm not going to ask you what you were doing last night, but God already knows. And you've shown up today. And if you'll allow him to, he'll wash you white as snow because that's the kind of God that we serve. Life flows from the altar. In verse three, Jacob says, let's go to Bethel. That's the place of meeting with God. 
God's going to meet with us again. How many of you know, if you'll keep showing up at your altar place, God will keep speaking to you. If you'll keep showing up, the river of God will continue to flow. If you'll keep showing up, the kingdom of God will continue to run over your life. And he's, there's something that has started in Jacob's life after he's been in a pagan land, he's been with pagan people, he's been with, with people that have not been serving uh, the one true God. All of a sudden, as he has decided in his heart and his mind, I'm going to make Bethel my home place, my place of meeting with God, life smacks him right in the face. And one of his wives dies. I mean, no, sometimes when you decide you're going to do things with God, all of a sudden, life gets crazy. You, you end up in the hospital. There's a death in the family. You lose your job. You're trying to get to prayer meeting, but your car broke down. It just kind of, life kind of just smacked him in the face. All of a sudden, he's been a liar and deceiver his whole life. He says, I'm going to get things right with God. I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to meet with, with, with God at Bethel. And one of, he loses one of his wives. Just kind of smacked him right in the face. But the great news is this. In verse 9, Jacob goes back to the altar. Can I tell you, when life smacks you in the face, show back up. Well, I'm going to say that again. When life smacks you in the face, show back up for prayer the next morning. Make you two cups of coffee and sit down in your chair. Drive around the parking lot a couple more times before you go clock in. Keep seeking the Lord. Because in verse 9, God starts to talk. Begins to speak to Jacob. And they wrote down some of it. But it probably kind of went like this. Jacob, you are a liar. Thank you, Father. I feel so much better today. This is who you've been your whole life. Think back over the years, Jacob. You lied to your parents. You lied to your brother. You lied to your father-in-law. But Jacob, today's a new name, new day. You're no longer going to be who you used to be. Hey, Today on this side of Calvary, once the blood of Jesus washes over you, you're not who you used to be. You're a brand new person, amen? But God says to Jacob, today we're going to change your name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel. You know, maybe you came into the house today and you need a name change. Maybe everybody around you, everybody at work, your family members, they know you as addicted and afflicted. Hey, God wants to give you a brand new name this morning, like son or daughter of the living God. Can somebody say amen? Maybe, maybe you, you, you've only been known around this town as liar, deceiver, swindler. You can't even do business around here anymore because nobody will hire you because they know of your past. God wants to give you a new name like truth finder. Maybe your whole life has been marked by abuse as being uh, abused or being the abuser. God wants to give you a new name today like grace and mercy. Maybe you've been known by everybody in, in, that walk, has walked life with you as alcoholic. God wants to give you a new name today like living water. 
Maybe everywhere that you've gone for the last 20 years, you've been known as fearful, but today God wants to give you a new name like covered in love. Why? Because perfect love drives away all fear. He wants to do something for you, but you won't know that if you don't make the altar your friend. But God didn't stop speaking with just giving him a new name. See, it was at this altar that God makes himself known. To Jacob, he says this, I am God Almighty. In my, in my mind, it's like that's a thundering voice from heaven as God speaks to, to Jacob that moment. He says, Jacob, I am God Almighty. I want us to understand this morning, this is who he is. He's not a genie in a bottle, but he's the creator. He's the healer. He's the miracle worker. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the baptizer. And can I remind us today, church, he's the soon coming king. Can somebody say amen? He's God Almighty. And though those first two things were so incredible, he didn't stop speaking there. See, it was at the altar that God gave Jacob direction. He says to Jacob, be fruitful and increase. Can I tell you this morning, the direction for your family or the direction for your business is not found on social media, but it's found at the altar. If you're looking for something, if you're looking for answers for your family today, if you're looking for the answers for your business today, it's found in the presence of God. It's found where the river of the Lord can wash over you and he can point you and he can show you uh, where you're to go. God gives direction. But he wasn't finished. See, it was at this altar that God gave Jacob a promise. Some of these are mind-blowing. I don't, I don't even know how Jacob was able to take it all in. But see, it was at the altar that he gave this promise. A nation and community of nations will come from you. It takes more than a moment for a nation to rise up out of you. It takes more than a couple days or a couple years for a community of nations to rise up out of you. God was letting Jacob know, I promise you, Jacob, that the days ahead are marked by who I am and what I'm going to do through your family. God gave him a promise. See, God's not just the God of the moment, but he's God of the future. But God wasn't finished. You see, it was at this altar that God gave prophetic words. He says this to Jacob, kings are coming from your body. Hello, Jacob. We're going to make some nations, some community of nations. Hey, I'm God Almighty. I'm all powerful. By the way, listen to this prophetic word, Jacob. Kings are going to rise up out of you because my hand is upon your life. I tell you this morning, there's greatness in you. It will be revealed at the altar. Listen, there's greatness in you. There's greatness in your household. And it'll be revealed at the altar. At the church house, it'll be revealed at the altar at your house. It'll be revealed while you're out in your garage, tinkering around, pleading the blood of Jesus over your family. God will reveal the greatness that's inside of your family that you know nothing about. It'll happen while you're driving in your Chevy truck uh, on your way to work and God begins to, to deliver uh, words to you about what, he, and what and how he's gonna use you 
at your workplace to see lives transformed and changed, and you thought you were just going to clock in. But it's at the altar that God delivers the prophetic words. See, it was at this altar that God declares increase over those who were to come. He says this, I will give this land to your descendants after you. I'm the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and... He's declaring there's increase to come over Jacob. Jacob, you're carrying the inheritance of God. There's more coming your direction. See, it was at this altar, this place of Bethel, meaning house of God, that new direction came for the generations to come. Listen to this. The generations after us, the generations after us, are dependent upon us having altar experiences that change the direction of our family's future. Jacob was having having an altar experience at Bethel that was determining his family's future. Listen to it again. The generations after us are dependent upon us. Come on, preacher, you're putting pressure on me this morning. The generations after us are dependent upon us uh, uh, having altar experience that changed the direction of our family's future. And here's what I mean. I'm a McAtee. I'm from Southwest Missouri. That's where I grew up. That's where my family is. When you, when you look at our family history, you see no Christians. As a matter of fact, my aunt and uncle traced, uh, traced us back all the way to Europe. The closest thing that we found as a McAtee that was be, any kind of Christianity was there was a McAtee in Kentucky who would uh, drink moonshine and read his Bible. They found it in the obituary. I think they threw the Bible part in, probably maybe hoping that he got to heaven. I don't know. When I would grow up, we'd go to my great-grandparents' house. They lived a, a, had a little dirt farm outside of town and still had an outhouse there. And the McAtees would all be there. We'd go once a year. My dad would give us the speech. How many of you ever give your kids the speech when you're going somewhere? Like you're going to the store. If you touch something, I'll kill you. All right? Anybody ever did that? Don't ask for anything. We'll cut your nose off. You know, whatever. And my dad would give us these directions when we were on our way to Grandpa Gus's. Don't say what they say. Don't drink what they drink. Don't smoke what they smoke. And don't look at Uncle Don's tattoos. And this was in the 70s. Only a few people had tattoos and they weren't good. All right. That was the McAtees. Now, my grandpa had a job and he lived in town. That's where my dad grew up. They had a very large home. It was about 750 square foot. But grandpa had a job. So the McAtees would come there. And it was there that they'd drink and they would do all their things. And so my dad, most of the time that he grew up, he slept on the floor. My dad didn't like the way that McAtees lived. And as a sixth grade boy, the Pentecostal church's pastor's son invited my dad to come to church. So as a sixth grade boy, my dad would get up out of church, uh, get out of bed on Sunday mornings And he would walk to church 
And it was at that church that my dad came to the altar and gave his life to Jesus. It was at that church a few years later that my dad got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It was at that church a few years later that he married my mom when he was 19 and she was 18. Two years later at that same little Pentecostal church, my, they dedicated my sister. Two years later, they dedicated me. Two years later, they dedicated my brother. I'm telling you, my dad was having uh, altar experiences that changed our family for generations to come. See, this morning, my mom and dad are at my brother's church. My brother pastors a church right down the road from where my great-grandfather's farm was. And probably this morning, because I know my dad well enough, he's going to come to the altar because he needs to. Listen, he's not super Christian. But my brother has two kids, Jack and Macy. They love the Lord. My sister has two dogs. We think they're all right. I have three boys. David's works at a church in Texas. Jonathan's at Bible College in Michigan. Andrew, uh, he lives with us. He's a financial advisor, and he's at his church this morning. He's a door greeter at his church. I have, that's three generations that were brought transformation because my dad went to the altar one day. My dad's never stopped going to the altar. And I want us to understand this morning, the generations after us are dependent upon us having altar experiences that change the direction of our family's future. Listen, you say, preacher, why you put this pressure on me? I'm just asking you, would you spend some time with the king of glory on a daily basis. Let your kids see it. Let your husband or your wife know it, but just spend time with Jesus. Don't be afraid at the altar at the church house. Don't be afraid at the altar at your house. Why? Because the river of God needs to flow through your house and the church house so that we have experiences with God that changes us for generations to come. And I say, well, it's a little late for me. My kids are grown. I got grandkids now. Beautiful. Invite your grandkids over. Make pancakes and bacon on Saturday morning. I might come over too. <laughs> and while you're eating pancakes and bacon, just love on them. Share Jesus with them. Let them have an altar experience at your kitchen table. Touch the next generation in your very home. Just love on them. Well, it's, it's too late. My, my, my kids are already uh, backslidden. They're, they're not serving the Lord. Maybe I raised them in church. Maybe I didn't. Maybe they saw how I used to be. Maybe this, maybe that. Listen to me. Jacob's kids saw how he used to be. Jacob's kids saw that he was a liar and a deceiver. And let me share some news about his kids. They, they were adulterers. They were murderers. Read the story about his kids. They were messed up. But somewhere along the line, all 12 of them got in line with the things of God and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. I don't know when, it doesn't share their story, but I know this, God had a plan for his life. They were marked. The, the blood of Jesus is, uh, uh, speak the blood of Jesus over your kids. Why? Because the Lord loves them for generations to come. 
So really, I, I just came out today to challenge you. Where's your altar? Where's your meeting place with God? I'm not asking you to pray an hour a day. I'm asking you just to pray. I'm asking you to start. I'm asking you to make it a little longer. Why? Because the generations after us are worth it. So I'm just wondering, would you start this morning? Would you carry on today? Would you come to the altar this morning and Maybe it's the first day of the rest of your life or maybe it's the 10,000th time that you've been to the altar. But would you make the altar your friend? Would you allow God to change you and speak to you? Why? Because the generations that are coming, they need you to have altar experiences that changes you so it will help change them. Would you stand with me this morning? Things die and new life is given at the altar. If I die to my sin, Jesus will give me life. I'm going to invite just the keyboard person, if they had come, just to play a little bit. And today, I'm just going to invite everybody in the house. Would you come? Say, so, well, I already prayed today. Beautiful. You're warmed up. I've never been to that altar in my life. We welcome you. Would you come? You can stand. You can kneel. If you can't kneel or stand, you can come sit on the front row. I don't know if everybody can get here or not. If you're in the balcony, just walk down to that glass area. Let that be your balcony or let that be your altar right there. Just spend some time with Jesus. Just come up as close as you can. That way as many people that want to can come. You're like, oh, I don't even like being around people that much. They're kind of close. And now just begin to pray. Would you do that? Just begin to talk to the Lord. For some of you, the Lord's already been telling you where he wants your altar area to be at your house. Others are like, I didn't even realize I could drive my car and not have the radio on. Let's go ahead right now. Just, Father, we love you. We bless you. God, there are, there are three generations right here at this altar area. But Lord, if you should tarry, there's a thousand more generations to come. Go ahead. Come on, friends. Just begin to pray. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. But I need you to pray. Just tell him you love him. You're like, I don't even know what to say. Just tell him you love him this morning. We've come to bless you, Jesus. We will worship you, Jesus. We will bless you. We're the people of God. We need the river of Jesus just to flow over us this morning. The sweet, gentle touch of the Holy Spirit just to come and minister to us this morning. Lord, there's nobody in the house that's perfect. 
but every one of us, Lord, can be washed new and made new. We can come to know you this morning. We can pray for the thousandth time. We can honor you and bless you. We can lift up our kids to you. We're going to pray for our grandkids. We're going we're to just love on our spouse this morning as we pray for them and encourage them in the Holy Ghost and the things of heaven. Father, we, we uh, join together in this room right now, and we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We give you glory and honor and praise. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. I know tomorrow you're not going to have the worship team at your house. It's just going to be you and the Lord. But that, that's the way that he likes it because he loves you. You're the apple of his eye. He, every morning when you wake up, you can know this. He's already thinking about you. That the prayers that you prayed the day before, they're still around the throne of God. He, he, they, they're sweet-smelling incense. Your worship and your praise and your adoration towards him, he loves it. He wants to receive more of it. Just, just continue to declare that he's faithful and that he's worthy and that he's holy and he's righteous and he's mighty and he's glorious. He's the soon coming king. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the baptizer. He's the healer. The same prayer that you prayed yesterday, asking for a healing in your body. You can pray it again today because he's never tired of hearing you come to the throne of heaven and boldly proclaiming and boldly only asking for what it is that you're in need of today. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We won't stop, Lord. We won't stop until the day that we go in the grave and then we'll see you face to face or the day that we meet you in the clouds and we'll rejoice and we'll pray. Lord, praise you on our worst day we're going to pray and on our best day we're going to pray and when life slaps us in the face we're going to pray and we're going to seek you and we're going to love on you. We declare your righteousness. Oh, you're holy. Yes, you're holy. We worship you, Jesus. When I'm in the room, why don't you just begin to pray for your kids? Just begin to call them out to the Lord. Listen, none of us parents are perfect. You made mistakes. All right? But just pray for your kids right now. Father, I lift up my three boys, David, Andrew, and Jonathan. Come on, just call their names out to the Lord. I lift up my new daughter-in-law, Taylor, to you. I plead the blood of Jesus over them today to drive back the works of the enemy. I plead the blood of Jesus today over them for divine health. I plead the blood of Jesus over them today. Lord, as they're in Texas and Indiana and Michigan, I plead your blood over them today that their eyes would be fixed upon you, the author and the perfecter of their faith, that the things that they long for and the things that they're looking for, they would find in you, Jesus that the things of this world will not distract them for what you have for them. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. We lift them to you today. God, you love them so much. You love them, Lord. From the, the moment, the, the, for, forever you have known them. And Lord, you formed them and you knitted them together in their mother's womb. And you made them in your image, Lord Jesus. And I pray that they'd walk in your ways all the days of their life. That they would not know the ravages of sin because they say, I'm blood-bought, born again. I'm a child of the King. And God, they don't have kids yet, but someday they will. And I pray that over the next generation. And I pray it over the next generation. And I pray it over the next generation in Jesus' name. 
And Father, I team with all my friends in this room today. And I pray for prodigal sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that they'd wake up out of their stupor and their, and their slumpness and they would begin to see you and they'd begin to call out to you that you'd bring people alongside of them that, that, uh, need you, that, that know you and that can share the goodness of God with them and the fire of the Lord, that their conversations would start and, Lord, there'd just be a fire that's burning inside of them and they'd have to say, I need this Jesus that you have. I want this Jesus that you have. And Lord, the process would take place and the prodigals would come home in Jesus' name. Lord, if they're addicted and afflicted, I pray that you'd help them walk away from that addiction in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that if if they're in a bad marriage and you think, how's this ever going to happen? Save them both. Save them both, Lord Jesus. Make them new. Behold, all things are new in the name of Jesus. I pray. I pray for our prodigal sons and daughters, our prodigal grandkids. Lord, I pray for them today that they would hear the wooing of the Holy Spirit and they'd see that the Father is waiting on them, that the blood of Jesus can wash away everything they've done. It doesn't matter what it is. You love them so much, Jesus. So we pray for them this morning. Oh, we pray for them, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. 